The Sobey Art Award is Canada's most prestigious contemporary art prize, bringing national and international attention to Canadian artists age 40 and under. Stephanie Kamalang was the winner for 2019, picking up the $100,000 top prize. Learn more about Stephanie and the four Sobey finalists in the two-part series, The New Masters on CBC Ideas. For more information about the award, visit www.gallery.ca slash Sobey. This is a CBC Podcast. People often confuse the hot and slow of the South for calm and breezy. But I've had some of the most difficult times of my life inside of these picturesque settings of porches and sweet tea and heat. From CBC, this is Love Me, a show about the messiness of human connection. I'm Lou. Today's episode, Take Me Home. My friend Sally is nearing the end of her life. She's 91, with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and something called Lewy body syndrome. In the last year, she's been asking her husband, Aaron, if she can go home. She lives at home. So Aaron asks her which home she means. Their home on State Street? Or where they raised their kids in Nyack? Or where they lived in Japan when she and Aaron were newlyweds and he was in the Navy. What she always comes back with is her parents' home, the home where she grew up. I sit alone with Sally sometimes while Aaron needs to run an errand or take a bit of a break. Pretty often, Sally asks me if she can go home too. (laughs) Then on my last visit, I asked her how she was doing. Cool under fire, she said. But how is she really? I'm not sure. She spends so much time inside her head. Sometimes I wonder if her wanting to go home is a metaphor. If she really means that or if she means death. I wonder if maybe it's time to tell her it's okay to die. I don't think anyone's ever said that to her. That she doesn't have to wake up. That she doesn't have to eat. That it's all up to her at this point. Lately, she's been sleeping more and more. Most of the time, all day, without waking I can't see how she'll last much longer. But she keeps holding on. Asking about home.
June bugs remind me of my dad. When I was little, he used to scoop them up from the pool in our backyard and place them on my shoulders. I remember the feeling of their legs crawling on my bare skin. June is also my birthday month, and my birthday reminds me of my dad. The pool parties he'd throw me when I was growing up, and later, when I was older and away from home, his phone calls. 187. Wow. You're very special. Love you. Now, my birthday reminds me of my dad because that's the day he died. You're very special. Hi, Caitlin. Dad. My stepmom found him after midnight. He hadn't come to bed that night. When she got up to check on him, she found him on the kitchen floor. It was a heart attack, we think. We didn't do an autopsy at the time, so now we'll never know. Dad used to pretend that he would eat the June bugs. He would stuff them in his mouth and watch as my eyes got big. Although now I'm not totally sure if he ever really put them in his mouth or not. Maybe he was just teasing me. Maybe he kept them in his hand the whole time. There are so many things you can never be sure about when your dad dies. That you can never learn the truth about. The June bugs are one of those things I never thought to ask about until I couldn't. Love you. Bye. And then there are other, bigger things that I did think to ask him about, but were easier to not bring up. Like who the family house should go to when he dies. Hi, Caitlin. Dad, turn your call. I'm sure you're probably in a subway and it can't attach. So remember, this is Mother's Day weekend, and you got two to do. One in Texas and one in Oklahoma. So uh, you probably are taking care of it. But, you know, just want to After my parents got divorced, I'd visit Dad on the weekends. Late at night, it would often just be me and him awake in his big, silent house. Sometimes in the dark, I would round the kitchen corner too quick and he wouldn't hear me coming. I would catch him pulling his lips away from the bottle and putting it back into the freezer. We never said anything about it, though. Instead, I'd follow him over to the big filing cabinet full of baseball cards and he'd pull out his favorites. Mickey Mantle, Ty Cobb, Pee Wee Reese. He'd slide them out of the plastic sleeves and let me hold them. Sometimes he'd tell me he wondered what we would do with them when he died, saying we'd probably just sell them all in bulk. I would tell him, no, no. 
but that is what we did. My stepmom and I had so many other things to fight over that it was easier to split the money than to split the cards. Hi, Caitlin. I'm watching the Orioles and Yankees. They're in the ninth inning, zero out. Baltimore five, Yankees three. Dad hated disappointing us. He would never tell us if he started drinking again. We would just piece it together from subtle changes in his speech or how he would forget things over and over again. It hurt to love my dad. And so when he died, it's like each of us needed for him to leave us something that would acknowledge the pain he had caused us while he was alive. But what he left behind was not enough, no matter how it was divvied up. I am guilty of, yes, drinking. Hi, Caitlin, Dad, turn your call. I'm sure you're probably in a subway again. In the first year after my dad died, I dreamed of him often. In these dreams, I would grab his arm and say, You have to fix this. You have to tell us what you wanted us to do with everything you left behind. In these dreams, I was never happy to see him. I was too angry at the mess he had left us with. This is your dad, dad. His birthday is tomorrow. 27. My dad died on my 27th birthday in the heat of June. But his estate wasn't settled until I was 30, in the cold of November. By then, I hadn't just lost my dad. I had lost a court case, the house, and my stepmom. I imagine she hates me now. But I can't even be sure of that, because I haven't talked to her in four years. I wish I could go back home to see my little brother graduate, swim in the pool, feel the June bugs on my skin, but I can't go back there. See, my dad is buried just down the street from the church where my parents were married which is a few blocks away from my dad's rental house where he lived later when my parents got divorced, which is about a mile away from my grandmother's house that my dad grew up in and where he moved back into with his new wife and where they had a new baby boy whose room was where I used to play with my grandmother's old jewelry when I was a little girl. And that same house was left for me by my grandmother, but was later left to my stepmom and little brother by my dad in his will instead. And so after years of lawyers and tears and mediations and poker faces and documents and appeals and wondering how to prove what my dad really wanted when none of us could ever know, the courts ruled the house should go to them and only to them. And that is why I cannot go back there. But sometimes I dream of it. I'm at the house, their house, and I'm nervous as I open the front door 
afraid to trespass. But my stepmom and little brother are so happy to see me after all this time. Why haven't you come sooner, they ask. And I tell them I thought they'd be mad. And they tilt their heads and say, mad? About your father's stuff? About the house and the lawyers and the baseball cards? We're not mad about that. We're family. And we go outside and taste the nectar from the honeysuckle bushes by the pool. And in this dream, my dad is there, stuffing June bugs in his mouth. And I finally know the truth. Do you have enough room to move? No. Okay. I'm taking up most of the bed. I'm sorry, let me screw up. It's August in Louisiana, and I'm sharing a bed with my little brother, Whitney. We haven't lived together in years. Is your day okay today? I guess. Been a rather busy one. I'm back home because I'm broke. And I need a place to stay for a while. Do you want to go out, like, outside on the porch and, like, smoke and talk? Yeah. Do you have a lighter? Pick the dog up. What if Mom asks about this? What do you mean? Were y'all on the porch? Were y'all smoking? What the hell am I supposed to tell her? Don't respond? I don't know. Girl, I don't, I don't... There's this picture of me holding Whitney the day he was born. I was three. His face looks so smushed in, and mine is lit up with my mouth open as wide as it could be, still holding a smile. He was 11 pounds. I could barely hold him, but I did. My mom says I called him my Whitney. Now he's 18. Sometimes when I look around Vashreen, it feels like it's isolated from the rest of the world. You know, like one of them video games that people would play and it's like open world themed? Well, 
So far, the map is just Vashri and not much else. I mean, it's weird, because, like, literally the porch that we're sitting on is right next to the house that we used to live in right before this one, and that porch is, like, maybe 20 feet that way. Vashri is a town on the west bank of the Mississippi, home to 5,000 people who are always divided about something. It's got a white church in what we call Back Vashri and a black church in Front Vashri. That's where our house is. The main highway is the 20, and that'll take you from the river all the way down past Thibodeau. The other highway is 3127, and that'll take you to New Orleans. Growing up the way I saw it, both roads led to somewhere better. You seem fine with a lot. That's how I've been, that's how I've been mostly. I'm not fine with a lot. That's how I've been mostly. Yeah. Feels like I took a wrong turn, ending up back here. There's a, there's a small gas station that always has a really large puddle of water in front of it. Mm-hmm. And like every time it rains. No, even if it's not raining, it's just there. It's unchanged. Every time I would pass by there, like on a school bus, I always look at it. And I'm somewhat intrigued on why does it not change, whether it would be really dry outside or if it would rain, and I don't know if it would like be bigger, but no, it remains the same size every time. I guess that's also how many see the Ashri, just a, a place that like remains the same. You don't think anything's changed, like even since we've been kids? Hmm? Well, the only thing I can remember is the new car wash. (laughs) When I was around seven-ish, I was obsessed with holding these Donna Summer disco concerts at home. I'd make Whitney hold the bubble gun and the strobe lights. I'd be belting out the hits, shouting directions at him, and he'd be squinting in the corner. We later found out that Whitney has Asperger's. Dance parties aren't really his thing. But I've always been hungry for the bright and loud. As soon as I was old enough, I took 3127 out of town with my music blaring. I headed towards bars, drag bingo, cross-dress marathons, and circuit parties. Sequins, gowns, flashing lights, grinder, scruff, and that famed thump-a-thump-a music on the scene. This was where I found my serenity. Meanwhile, back in Vashri... I didn't really used to talk. No. Instead, I would rather just observe observe uh, uh, things happening around me. I remember this one time in, like, elementary school. Like, instead of talking to my friends that morning... I just stared at a plastic at a plastic bag just blowing in the wind for like god knows how long. By the time he got to middle school, Whitney began encountering asshole kids. 
They called him stupid, slow, and much worse. I didn't call Whitney names when other people were around. But when we were alone, sometimes I did. I'd been bullied in school, too. They called me girl, grandma, sissy, and fag. But ultimately, Vashri protected Whitney. It didn't protect me. God can forgive you for being slow, they'd say. But God doesn't forgive you for being a queer. I moved away as far as I could, as fast as I could. And I never really looked back. I just kept going and going and going until I lost my job at this shit theater company in Florida. Then totally crashed. And... Well, here we are. There's nothing wrong with returning back to um, your old hometown. Everything happens for a reason. Oh, bitch. Don't give me that shit. What, too cliche? Too annoying. Too many things. Just too, too. Too, too. A few months back, not long after I'd moved back home, Whitney came up to me and asked, Can we talk about something? I watched him sway and fidget until he finally blurted out, Alex, I'm bi. I'm bisexual. I like guys. I had no idea. Me, the queen of the bayou. You know what's something I've always liked waking up, waking up in the morning? What? Going into the kitchen, and as I make a cup of coffee, I always look at that little tree that's right outside the window, and for some reason, blue jays are always there. I didn't know that. I've never noticed that. That's because you didn't look. Excuse me. Do you think you would have come out to me sooner if I was home more and not always gone? I think maybe. I like to think so. People often confuse the hot and slow of the South for calm and breezy. But I have had some of the most difficult times of my life inside of these picturesque settings of porches and sweet tea and heat, where my sweat is as much from the humidity as it is from the fear and anxiety I have about my place in the world. Do you think this is always going to be, like, home for you? Like, that she will always be home? Yeah. 
everybody knows everybody around here. Does it make you feel better or worse? <laughs> no, it just me no, it's it feels fine. The sky is turning pink over the gas station puddle. The sun's gonna come up soon. We probably should be going back to our little bed. But I'm not sure how many more of these porch nights we're gonna have together. So we stay outside for just a little while longer. I've I've also wanted to uh, wanted to go to one of those places, a gay bar, but I always thought they would be like really loud. Yeah, they are loud. Flashing lights, lots of people. Oh God, no, 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 none of that. <laughs> what did you do with the pipe? Oh, it's over here. I'm sorry. It's also kind of out. I can put more in there. I was just appreciating, you know, talking and stuff. On today's episode, you heard My Whitney, produced with Alexander Charles Adams. You also heard June Bugs, produced with Caitlin Pierce. You can see photos of a young Caitlin and her dad, as well as a wee little Alexander holding their 11-pound baby brother Whitney at cbc.ca slash loveme. Could I get you to repeat that? Because I was turning my mic and it's uh, relevant. Revelant. I think maybe is a word or no revenant is a word i don't mean to be a dick i'm not trying to i'm assuming that if you did try to find a way to make it sound like you're not being a dick it would be confusing for me okay did i just sound like a dick just then today's episode was produced and edited by crystal duham sarah geis and mira burtwintonic with production assistance by jess shane it was mixed by crystal duham Love Me's theme song is by Tim Kingsbury. Additional music by Murray Lightburn and Quantum Jazz. Subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Get in touch with us and let us know what you think of the show at cbc.ca slash loveme. I'm Lou Alkowski. Thanks for listening. Need something new to listen to? Check out Play Me from CBC Podcasts. Play Me is Canada's national digital theater. Each week, they take some of the hottest plays and transform them into contemporary audio dramas. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.